0: You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to GameSense.ab.ca and learn more.
1: Welcome to the show. How are you doing? It's all good, thanks. How are you guys doing up there? I am great,
0: Darren. Uh, yeah, I'm great. It's well, warmed up actually quite a bit. Finally, like minus ten now. It feels like t-shirt weather. So, uh, so you know how it awesome. is. Yeah, it's great. Awesome, I uh, Dar- I've talked to you before, but I never actually spoke to you about the 10 point game. And I'm sure you've talked about it lots, but I, I'm very curious more so about when you were in the moment as a guy, and you're a pretty good offensive player. But 10 points is just a different level, man. Like, at what point in the game were you like, oh my God, like, am I in peewee hockey again here? This is amazing.
1: So, uh, what happened back in the 70s, anytime. You're playing our original six team on a Saturday night, coast-to-coast hockey night in Canada. We're playing the Bruins. So it's a big game for the fans. You know, you get the, the buzz in the building. And and uh, what had happened, at the end of the second period, I had seven points. I had no idea what the record was, but our statistician, Stan Obodiak, who was in the press box, he made a point to come down to me into the dressing room. He comes over. He says, Daryl, I don't know if you know, but if you get one more point, you tie Rocket Richard's record of eight, which I think he did it back in the late 40s, early 50s. And uh, then you tie a record. So going into the third period, uh, we knew, uh, my teammates and I knew that they, there was an opportunity to to tie Rockets record and uh, ended up getting three three more. And uh, why it happened, I'm not sure. I mean, I had 10 shots on goal and, and uh, you know, obviously six of them went in. The last goal I scored, I was uh, behind the net. I was going to try to pass the puck out to Errol Thompson, my left winger coming into the slot area. Brad Park, the Bruin defenseman, just stuck his leg, turned it sideways to to block the pass, and uh, you know Dave Reese was going across, and I went between his legs, and I just threw my hands up in the air and said, "It was a magical night for sure." And uh, uh, here we are. I, I think there's been like 12,000 games played in the National Hockey League. Great players have uh, have come and gone, and I often thought Wayne would be the guy to do it, or Mario Lemieux back in the uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s. They were putting a lot of points up in the board back then, uh, and uh, they weren't able to. So here, here we are, and I'm happy to hold it. It's the 48th anniversary coming up, February 7th. Uh, and uh, every year it comes up, people uh, talk about it and remind me of it, and it's it's been a good record to have.
2: Daryl, really excited to have you on and uh, really appreciative of uh, Mr. Peters for making this happen. Um You look at, uh, you had 18 hat-tricks, the most in the Toronto Maple Leafs history, and now you got Austin Matthews with 11 hat-tricks. And I I always find it amazing in today's game with, you know, guys being able to put up the points and score the way they do and how well it's coached. There's no secrets. There's, you know, video on everyone and their strengths, their weaknesses. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the goal scorers today compared to the goal scorers back when you played?
1: Well, the game is is a little different, Sean. As you know, I mean, uh, um, in front of the net area uh, back in my day, um, the, the defensemen were were vicious. They'd cross check you, high stick you. You didn't really want to go to that area. You had to pay a price for it, so to speak. Um, the um, uh, you know, there's so much great talent in the game today. I look on our team when you're talking about Austin Matthews. I mean, he he has a fantastic shot. He puts himself in a good position, but he's surrounded by pretty good players too. a Mitch Marner, uh, very, uh, he's a magician with the puck and, and he, he seems to have eyes and know where the, the right play is to be made at the right time. And, uh, so those things all help, but at the same time, uh, you have to have the skill to do it And Austin. Austin has that, uh, I look at, uh, your team, Connor McDavid, uh, you know, he's, he's a threat to score on every shift when he's out there. He can, he can take a, a puck when he's going to full speed through the, uh, through the neutral zone, so to speak, and, and make a dangerous play out of it and have a a chance to score. So at some, uh, at some point, who knows? I mean, uh, records are made to be broken, so to speak. And you never know there's a magical night that might happen. I think Sam Gagne, um, uh, had eight points in, in Edmonton, yep. uh, a number of years ago. And, and I don't think he would have ever thought that he was going to get eight points, but it happens and it can happen. And, and, uh, I watch some nights a a guy like Connor, the the amount of scoring chances that he gets. And, you know, if everything's working right for him, then uh, he he might tie or break it. But it's a tough one for sure. The goalies are bigger now than they were in my day, too. uh, So it might be a little bit more uh, less uh, room in the net to to put the fuck uh, past the guy. But, uh, you know, it's... uh, a nice record to hold for sure oh yeah i would think that's one of the greatest <laughs> records of all time
0: yeah like you gotta love it uh, no question about it uh, as a guy you know as a, as a 100 point guy 90 point guy i think five other years as well multiple 80 points like you were a really good offensive player daryl and you just kind of watched the game went through a little bit era there in the early 2000s late 90s it was kind of boring it wasn't overly offensive and now they're getting back to you know allowing the skill to play it's much more of a puck possession game how do you how much do you the the game better today uh, as a fan of hockey uh, what excites you when you sit down on a Saturday or a Wednesday or Tuesday whatever night it is and watch a game
1: well um, uh, you know I'm an honest up front guy and uh, each era has its own style of play the guys before me were different uh, and then it was our era and then the world hockey came along and I think it, the league was maybe watered down a little bit because of the, the talent pool but now there's so many great high skilled players in the game I think one of the the things that happened, not think what's happened, that did happen in the 70s when Philadelphia Flyers won the Cup uh, in the early 70s, they were the broad street bullies. And part of the game was intimidation and the element of fear and courage for any player that was out on the ice um, was a major factor in a game. I don't know that you have that as much now. There's there's not as much uh, to try to explain the, the game within the game, so to speak. So when Sean was lined up against somebody back in his day, the fans knew that there were two tough guys lined up and something might happen out there. The game's changed from that somewhat. There's still a little bit of that. And I think the fans feel that when it's in the building and when it's happening. But at the same time, the skill level of the players, the conditioning... You know, the hard short shifts. You don't see those goals where a player has enough time to come down the wing and take a slap shot from the top of the circle. Basically, that doesn't happen unless it's a you know, a three-on-one or something like that. But, uh, you know, the Guy Lafleur's uh, Mike Bossy's of the day, Lanny McDonald's, that's Bobby Hulls, that's where they'd score uh, some of their goals from or a lot of their goals from uh, those, those angles, so to speak. But uh, it's changed. It's better. I mean, hey, we've got the best players from all around the world. And there's so many more Americans coming into the game and, uh, and more Europeans. And uh, it's, it, it's it's a great game, and it's fast, and it's it's fun to watch.
2: Darrell, I might have a couple questions with this, but being a Leaf fan, I did watch, obviously, when Boye Salming was brought back with his family, and that was obviously very touching. And, and you can see the emotion um, on your face and how excited and how you felt about him. Um, maybe if you could talk a little bit about your involvement with, uh, ALS and the other question was, you know, Borea Solomon coming into the National Hockey League as a European player, you must have seen the challenges and the adversity that, that he faced. And if you could maybe touch on that as well.
1: Well, I'll start off with that, uh, Sean. Um, I don't know if you, there's a, the Borea series, um, uh, it's a six part series. I think it's showing up in Canada. I'm in Florida actually now, but as I speak, it's showing in. And it's uh, there, there's a lot of things I found out about Borja watching that that series. Uh, um, how tough uh, he had to be in Sweden to play. He was a Laplander, and and uh, they were prejudiced against uh, the Laplanders. And when he when he played in the league over there, so there was a lot of tough hockey before he got here. But when Boria did come in the in the early 70s, I guess 73, 74, whatever it was, he was the first Swedish player. You know how our game was played back then, a little bit like I said before. The Philadelphia Flyers and other teams thought that they could you know, spear him, cross-check him, punch him in the face, uh, intimidate him to take him off his game. But Borea just continued to show that that wasn't going to affect him, and he became one of the greatest defensemen in the game. And I believe, and no disrespect for any of the other guys that had won the Norris Trophy, whether it's you know Larry Robinson or Potvin or... Or whoever it was in that era, um, Boria in my mind was as good as those guys. We didn't win the cup, so sometimes you don't get the same recognition of the votes. But if you you ask players who played with Boria or played against them, uh, they put him right up there with the best. So he had to learn that and, and and he was tough. So fast forwarded all these years when I got the call um a year ago last July from Boria and his wife Pia that he was diagnosed with ALS. That was a very difficult call to take uh, uh, for me, for him, and and uh, I knew and we all knew what ALS means and is meant to somebody when they're diagnosed, and so we tried to help him along the way. Uh, a, a former player of mine, Mark Curtin, um, um, we played together in the 70s. He was diagnosed with ALS about five or six years ago, and uh, as, a, as a friend of mine living in Toronto, um, I knew what Mark was doing with ALS awareness and and helping other people. So I introduced him, Boria and his wife to, to Mark. And, uh, he was unbelievable in helping him guide him through kind of the challenges, uh, was ahead of him. Uh, Boria's ALS. Um, it's called bulbar. It's, it's in your chest area in your throat area. And it was very aggressive. And, uh, Mark started off in his legs and his limbs and then moved up. He now has no mobility in his arms at all, but, uh, Mark's been a, an advocate uh, to create awareness, to hopefully find a cure for ALS, and he started a, a fund called the Super Fund. And it's, it was just announced and released, and if your listeners are listening, they might want to Google it. Um, all, in, all the Canadian NHL teams have gotten on board yeah. just recently with an announcement, and they're going to make a, a significant donation uh, to help find a cure for ALS and to help people who have ALS and help the doctors and research and all those other things but I was fortunate in my life uh way back um, to meet Terry Fox and I got to know Terry Fox and most Canadians obviously know who who he is and what he has done for cancer awareness and the funds that were raised well in in, in knowing Terry Fox like I knew him and now knowing Mark Curtin over the last number of years um, these two guys have been dealt a hand of adversity, real tough stuff to, to deal with, but instead of going and, and, and sticking their head in the sand or, or, or kind of shying away from it, they took it upon themselves to be inspirations to other people and, and, and help other people and be, be advocates of the, the disease that, 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 uh, that they have. And, uh, Mark Curtin, in my mind, uh, He's a phenomenal person, and uh, he's an inspiration. And we at our alumni in Toronto gave him Man of the Year award uh, last year for for what he's done. But he's making a difference in so many other people's lives. He has a he has a, a, a Zoom call every week uh, for about an hour and a half of ALS families and, and patients oh. across Canada. I've been on that call. The people come on, and and uh, they get a lot of knowledge. They get a lot of um, hope and uh and and and, um you know a lot of um of uh respect i guess to see a guy like mark Curtin and uh how he's dealt with it that it encourages them that they can you know every day they get up they got they got a choice in how they're going to live that day and if you can live it in a positive way and be like a mark Curtin, uh uh that's that's important to do so he's lifted up a lot of spirits he's a good friend of mine and i'm glad you asked the question uh The All-Star Games coming up next week in Toronto. Um, Borea Salming's daughter, Teresa, and uh, the LS uh, group of uh, uh, of people in Sweden are coming over here. The NHL is going to recognize them. Uh, Lidstrom, I think he's the chairman of of the uh, the LS Foundation. So there's a lot of good things. Uh, Unfortunately, Borea lost his his life to the disease, but uh, but other people are going to benefit from it, and to me that's the key. When you, you, when you said, Sean, about watching the ceremony for Boria to get over here and how sick he was, I would have never believed it. Um, and I give our organization, Brendan Shanahan and, and everybody else, uh, their due uh, respect and remarks that they made it happen. They had everything in place, and uh, we didn't know until two days before whether he and his family were going to, to make it, but the fact that he got to toronto he was out there it was hall of fame weekend three swedes going into the the hall um i think it was a surprise for for many fans to see how oh, Boria digressed. but at the same time i know Boria was so proud and happy that he could come back and pay his respects and uh and and i know the leaf fans and hockey fans uh across the, the nation were so happy that they could show their respect and admiration to him, not only on the Hall of Fame night, but the next night we just happened to have two games in Toronto where they had his family out there. So a lot of good things happened from that. Uh, we put After Borea passed, we put uh, the Borea patch on our jerseys, wore those for four games, auctioned off the jerseys, auctioned off patches. There's been about seven eight $800,000 raised for ALS because of that Moment of Boria getting here and and uh, what he means so much to to not only the uh, the Leafs but to the hockey world. And as you know, uh, just south is down in Calgary, Chris Snow was diagnosed with ALS and he's just recently passed away. And uh, there's a coach in Ottawa, assistant coach that has it. So it's in the it's in the hockey world, and I'm I'm so grateful and and thankful that the National Hockey League recognizes it and, and grabbed a hold of it and trying to make a difference to help guys like Boria Mark Kurt, and and current people with ALS.
0: Daryl Sittler's with us. Daryl, one last one for you. Um, you know, since you're retired, you know, some guys just, you know, they have a great career and they, they kind of go off. You've always really put your name behind lots of, you know, different charitable events and and fun events as well. Um, wh- why was that something that was always important to you?
1: Well, um, I grew up in a small town, a little village. My dad was a crane operator, paycheck to paycheck, and uh, my mom was a hard worker raising eight kids. And uh, we learned, uh, my brothers and sisters and I, the importance of being a part of a community. And When there's opportunities in front of you, you have a choice whether you're going to get involved and try to help out and make a difference. I remember back, it might have been paper drives, might have been Boy Scouts selling apples or shoveling snow for a senior's home. So that all kind of stuck with me. And then when I got to the National Hockey League and uh, was playing with the Leafs, um, there were opportunities that were presented to me. And And again, I had the choice to get involved or sit on the sidelines. And I learned quite early in my life, if you sit on the sidelines with things, probably nothing's going to happen. But you get involved, you don't know what the difference is going to make, but there's an opportunity to to maybe make a difference. So that's who I've always been. That's what I try to do even today. And uh, I've always believed in paying it forward. You don't do it for the reasons that something's going to come back to you. But I find that uh, when I live my life like that, there's, there's nice things that happen, and uh you know i i I'm doing these um these these uh uh cameo calls uh you know yeah. cameo's a thing out there and and some people say oh you're doing it for the money uh, yeah, I get paid a little bit for doing it, but i've learned from doing it you can make a difference in some person's life that sat and watched you on hockey night in canada. you're their favorite player, and their father might be dying of cancer, their grandmother's got their ninetieth birthday, and it means so much for them that you take the time to you know, put a smile on their face or or bring a a moment to them that uh, they could never have before. So those things uh, are important. I I try to instill that in the current guys. Hey, you can have all the money in the world. You know, Sean, as as we know, the guys are making so so much. But it's those other things you do outside of the game that, uh, you know, they stick with you for the rest of your life. And to me, that's an important part of who I am.
0: Daryl, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the upcoming festivities for the All-Star Weekend. It'll be huge and uh, you know, even more awareness for, for ALS, so enjoy that. Thanks very much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me. And, oh, boy, those Oilers are on a roll, aren't they? 14 in a row. <laughs> Not awesome. bad. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, how, how things can change so quickly. Everybody <laughs> was jumping off the bandwagon earlier in the year, but it's good to see them doing well. They deserve it. They're another great Canadian team. Fun to watch.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Appreciate your time. Take care.